Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. And well, good morning, everyone. Aren't you glad to be in church today? I mean, you are the church, but aren't you glad to come where the church meets? And it's awesome to have you this morning. We're so thrilled and blessed that you could come. And man, aren't you glad that of all the people that you could have sat to on a Sunday morning, aren't you glad it's the person next to you? Man, they look good, and we're so thrilled that you came this morning. Worship team, thank you guys so much. That was awesome. Wasn't that good? Can we give them a hand, man? We love that, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, this morning, we're, uh, we're going to continue our series, but before we do that, we are so blessed and thankful. We're going to actually call up Herb and Shirley are going to come and share. And uh, before, before they, as they make their way up, I want to just brag on them a sec. They have been, how long have you guys been part of this church for? Has it been 27 years that you've been part of the church? How can we do this? We all look together? Oh, she's going to talk first. You'll, oh, you'll finish it off. Oh, I, <laughs> he says I don't got to preach today. So, but this. You get up here. Come on. Oh, he forgot his Bible. Oh, no, he's sitting. Come on. Well, while, while, while they're discussing themselves, I'll, I'm going to, I want to just break on them. These, these people here, 27 years, but they are powerhouses. If you've ever had a chance to meet these couple, they are amazing. They are full of the word. I mean, they have, they have a quite a long, you know, history with church. I mean, Herb used to be the, one of the other preachers here at this church. And uh, I mean, he, this guy can preach the house down. I mean, he comes from a, a PAOC background. I mean, when you get Pentecostal, this guy, he can swing. He can do everything, man. He, he knows how to do it. But we just want to say how blessed we are to have you guys part of this church. You guys are a tremendous blessing to us. I know we're protected when you pray for us. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. They, they, they are, they're amazing people. And before they share, I just, there was a note that I just got to mention. Uh, if you have a black Mazda, license plate CDB2575, your lights are on. That's just, if that's, if that's you. Anyways, you preach it up, and uh, hopefully you give me a few minutes there, Herb. That'd be, I'd greatly appreciate that. Well, bless God. Amen. I can't see you, so I hope. <laughs> Praise God. This is so good. So good. We are blessed to be a part of this church. It's always been the number one priority in our life whenever Herb worked in the oil and we were transferred a few times. And it was always a priority that we would find a good church wherever we moved to. One place we happened to move to was Swan Hills and there wasn't a good church there. There was that. Well, I won't name them. <laughs> There was not a spirit-filled church, let me put it that way. And so what were we going to do? Well, he would work 10 days and we'd get four days off. And so every four, every 10 days, we'd take the four days and come down further south and attend a good church. Amen? It was important. And that's how we raised our kids as well. Our, we're really happy to have both our daughters here this morning. Sherry, stand up. Sherry is our oldest daughter from, and she lives in Oregon. She's been in the U.S. for many years. And then our second daughter, Gail, yeah, who's married to Gord Smith, in case you didn't know. And then Jordy is our grandson and Casey, and Chrissy is somewhere. I think she may be downstairs. But anyways, this is how we raised our kids, too. We were brought up, both Herb and I were brought up in strong Christian homes, not not spirit-filled, but our parents became spirit-filled, and then we went to a spirit-filled church after that for many, many years, amen? And, uh, you know, both of us, neither of us had ever, we didn't smoke, we didn't drink, we didn't hang out with those that did, we, we didn't take drugs, but we were drugged to church by our parents. <laughs> Get it? We were drugged to church. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday for prayer meeting, um, and um, every when we were youth, it was every Friday night we had a youth service. And then uh, if there was a, a revival service going on, which usually was three nights, we'd be there. And we also were, I, I anyways, was in youth camp every summer for a whole week. So this, that was our lifestyle. And I believe that because of it, 
we were really grounded in the word. Now, although we weren't in the word like we are today, because we, uh, even though we had learned as young people, we had learned all about, you know, the God of Abraham, the God of David, the God of Elijah, and all the miracles that God did in those days. We were not taught that that was the same God today. It, there was no connection. And I don't know whether they thought we would pick up on it, but I didn't. It just was like, okay, uh, well, you know what? It didn't help when we were in church and we'd sing songs like, Won't it be wonderful there, having no burdens to bear? Oh, my. And everybody would be crying, you know. <laughs> Beautiful song, but it wasn't good. Another one was, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. <laughs> you almost took my message. You got up here and you were preaching on that already. And then another one, get this, standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. Well, You know what the word says about these things? Especially that verse. It says in James 1.17, Every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of lights, who shines from the heaven with no shadow. I guess whoever wrote the song never read that verse. No shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. Hallelujah. That same God that did all those miracles way in the back was the same God. And you know what? He's in me. He's in you. If you know Jesus as your savior, can you, I mean, meditate on it. Selah, which says stop. Meditate on that. Just med just chew it over in your mind. Just imagine. Just chew it. Understand who this God is and what. Oh, well, we're not there yet, are we? <laughs> it's so good. God is so good. And I'm, I'm going to quit here right away, sir. And then you can talk. <laughs> so my favorite song now is the one that we sing here called The Goodness of God. And I just want to read a couple of the verses of it. Do you, do you meditate on the songs that we sing up here that they sing? Do you meditate on them while we're singing? Or are you singing and you're like, oh, so and so's not here today. I wonder where they are. Oh, they're probably out camping. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm, I'm human like you. Anyways, it says, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never failed me. I cry every time I sing this song. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. Yes. All my life you have been, oh, so good. Hallelujah. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. It's a promise. You serve him. Just give your life over to God and serve him. You'll never regret it. There you have it. I got two minutes left. <laughs> Good morning, church. Like Shirley already said, we've been here for 27 years. Joel's dad was the first one that started this church. He carried it so far that he had another call in his heart to start new churches, go visit churches, build up churches, go into the mission field. Guess what? Joel came around and he took over the church. So we've been blessed with another generation that can preach the word of God. I've been blessed by Joel's and Jamie's ministry, been built up by the most holy faith, and it's been so good. 
you probably don't, there's a lot of new people here today, you probably say, well, who's this guy? Well, I've been, <laughs> we've been here for so many years, but during the month of December, uh, January, February, March, we go to Yuma, Arizona, and we go to a, a church called Champion, and something that Joel said this morning, well, there's no condemnation. Like the pastor's wife, her name is Lucinda Bloomfield. If she's not busy doing something else, she'll open up the church and welcome the people and says, as soon as you drive into this parking lot, it's a guilt-free zone. So when you come into this church, it's a guilt-free zone. We don't want to make you guilty. You're free because Jesus has set you free. I want to welcome or see Jerry. I'm glad to see Jerry back here. Jerry Fisher and Gwen Fisher. Uh, Jerry, <clears throat> Jerry and I got something in common. We both celebrated our 81st birthday. <laughs> His was the 1st of August. Mine was the 8th. And thank you, Sherry, for coming up to celebrate my birthday. But that was not the only thing she celebrated. You know, last night, we went to a 50th anniversary. And she was a flower girl there 50 years ago. And can you can you beat it that her her cousin still had the little basket that she had 50 years ago that Sherry had carried? <laughs> so that was was really neat. Anyhow, what I want to share this morning, when we went to Arizona this past winter, there was really nothing that was wrong with me. I went there healthy. But I came back not too well. And uh, Terry's dad and myself and some other people, we went probably to the same thing. That it, I had a triple bypass operation in the end of uh, April. When was your dad? The same time? Yeah. So uh, how old is your dad? 82. 82. Well, I just turned 80, so we have something in common. We both got cut wide open. <laughs> and anyhow, it was... It was a miracle. I was golfing in Yuma, and I was walking on the golf course, and I got up to the sixth hole, and the guy says, there were some people there from uh, Red Deer that I golfed with and from Wetaskiwin, and he said, what, can't you keep up? I says, no, I'm running out of air. I says, i got to sit down. He says, are we walking too fast? I says, no. I says, i got some other problems, and I don't know what it is. So I says, I'll try one more hole, and I tried one more hole, and I finished it, and I got up to the eighth hole, and I couldn't, couldn't do anything. So the guy says, well, I'm going to go to the clubhouse and get a cart and pick you up and take you back. I said, well, that would be just great. So we did that, and from the golf course to where we lived in Arizona is about 10 miles. So I sat in the car for 10 minutes to get my wind back and everything. I got back home, and I said to Shirley, I don't know what happened, but I ran out of wind. But we stayed for two more weeks, and I went golfing the next week, but I rented a cart, stayed another week, and I went, I did a little par three, I walked that, uh, I made it through it, I, I didn't run out of wind, but I could feel there were some problems. Then it got to be where I couldn't sleep in the bed, so I had to sleep in a high chair and kind of fold it down a little bit for a few, few nights. So I said to her, we got to head back home and see what the problem is. So that's what we did. I felt really good. We prayed before we left. So I, we drove all the way from Yuma, Arizona. I drove from Yuma, Arizona all the way to Salt Lake City. And I said to her, boy, do I ever feel good? I said, I don't think I have to go see a doctor. And so she drove some more and then we got to Great Falls and then from Great Falls to, to Red Deer. And I really felt good, slept in the bed, had no problems, got back to Red Deer. And boy, did it ever hit me the next day. Of course, it was a long weekend. It was Easter. All the clinics were closed. And so we went Monday morning. I, we, in fact, when we left, our doctor that we had, he says, I'm retiring. So and we were leaving for Yuma, Arizona, so we didn't have a doctor. So we got back. I had no doctor to go, so I went to an outpatient. And he's, I, he says, what's your problem? I says, I can't breathe. I'm running out of breath. He says, well, get some lab work done. And he says, we'll have some x-rays done. And he says, wait for my call. 11 o'clock, the call came, emergency, go to the Red Deer Hospital. I just want to 
jump ahead a little bit. When I had these operations, I was in Red Deer for uh, five days. And then they sent me to the Mazankowski Hospital for the operation. I was there for 10 days. But I want to say to the people, if there's any nurses in here, I says, I congratulate the nurses at the Red Deer Hospital and the Edmonton Hospital. I have not been treated better. They are awesome people. Man, they, I think Holly's, I don't know if all Holly's here, but she's a nurse. And if there's other nurses, I want to congratulate you for the good job that you did. I was looked after really good. Uh, just about had a different nurse every day. And man, they were superb. The doctors were really nice. They were first class, and I really appreciate what our hospitals are doing and the work that they have to do. It's a big, big undertaking. If you've never been to the Mazankowski Hospital, it's amazing the stuff that they got in there and the things that they can do. So anyhow, I had my operation at the end of April. Uh, I want to thank Sherry for coming to be with her with Shirley for the time I was in Edmonton. Uh, I, when I was there, they called us in to come for, uh, to be, what do you call it, to, to have an, pardon? Pre-op, that's right. We got into Edmonton, said this is your schedule, come in for this day. It was a Monday morning, we got into Edmonton at 11 o'clock, sat in the room, said sorry, somebody came in that's worse shape than you are, said we'll have to send you back home. And they said, so we said, what will happen if this happened? And again, says it can happen. We have no guarantee that you'll have your operation. So when I had my, my exam at the Royal Alec, the picture that came through, one of my arteries were 100% blocked. The other one was 90%. The other one was 80. So when I had, <clears throat> I thought, well, how can anybody be any worse than I am? You know? <laughs> I got all this blockage. There's no blood running through me at all. So, so we got home at the end of end of April, end of March. I didn't have my operation till the end of April, so I had to wait a whole month. Uh, can tell you I didn't go golfing or anything because it just might fall down. Anyhow, I was at at Safeway and I was looking for some car insurance, and I walked across the street and I got to this building and there was some chairs there and I sat down there. I sat there for half an hour. I couldn't go anywhere. I says, Lord, send somebody that can help me here. Nobody came. <laughs> so, so I got my wind back and I went to this office to get look for car insurance. And anyhow, I said, boy, this, this is bad. I could die right here and nobody would know I was here. <laughs> but anyhow, I got into Edmonton and got, had the operation. It, and the doctor says, boy, you're in good shape. There will be no problem with you having this operation. Well, I says, I did a lot of walking when I was in Yuma. He says, you're a good, a good uh, client to have this operation. There'll be no problem. So the other day I was walking, last week I was walking through the park. And I was talking to a guy and you know, I told him I had a triple bypass operation and he says, Oh, that's nothing. I had a seven. I said, wow, you had a seven bypass operation? He says, yeah. I said, how old are you? He says, 72. I says, when did you have this operation? Ten years ago. Well, I thought to myself, well, I'm 10 years old, I'm 20 years older than he is. So I says, I, <laughs> you're doing good, but I did better. <laughs> I'm 20 years older than you. And so... I'm glad it was successful. One other thing I want to say, I want to thank this congregation and the family for praying for me because prayer is very important. I could feel your strength. I could feel your prayers and I had a successful operation. And uh, I just want to read a, a verse of scripture, a couple of verses of scripture that the Lord had helped me with. The one was in... Psalms 57, verse 7, it says, let's find it here right away. 
My heart is steadfast, O Lord. My heart is steadfast. And I kept confused. If you look at another version, it says, My heart is fixed, O Lord. My heart is fixed. I kept confessing that my heart is fixed. And I believe God for that. And it's amazing. I, know, I not only had a triple bypass, but they wouldn't let me go to the hospital because I had to have a pacemaker. And they put a pacemaker in there. And I, I keep looking at this pacemaker. It's right here. Uh, and you can hardly tell right now where they cut it. It's so well healed up. It's, it, it's amazing how well it's, everything is healed up. And it's another verse of Scripture I want to share with you. It Acts chapter 27. It says, Paul says, and now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God. That is my testimony. I believe God. I still have a few issues that I have to deal with, but I believe God. I believe his word. I believe for our pastor and his wife, what they're doing in this church. They are great testimonies to me and our family. Now, we appreciate them. We stand with them, and we love them and thank them that they have brought us much hope and encouragement to the family of God. There's one more scripture that I want to share with you. And that is in Second Peter, chapter 1, two verses. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace, this is the verse I want, to, want you to implant in your heart, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Multiplied. I would have been happy. If he would have just says, added unto you. But he didn't say that. He says, multiply. Now that, that multiplication is bigger than adding. So he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. That's for this whole congregation. Peace, mercy and peace is multiplied to you. This day, every time you get up in the morning, thank God for his grace and mercy because they are multiplied to you. God bless you. Go with God. Thank you, people, for coming to this church and being a strong, uh, faithful to this church, supporting your pastor and the people that are here. God bless you for helping me share this with you this morning. I appreciate all the rest of the testimonies that were here this past thing. I think the, the good one was old Jace. <laughs> he started it off. And that was really good, and I really appreciate that. Thank you very much, Pastor Joel and Jamie, for being so strong in the Word and blessing this congregation. Thank you very much. Going this way? You can make it. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much, Mr. Herb. That was awesome. Thank you, Shirley, for sharing this morning. And so I encourage you, if you're like... They, they're just, they're such pillars to us. And so I encourage you, this is why we impact generations for Jesus. It's generations we working together in one another. So if, if you're a younger person and you need some count, guidance and wisdom and counsel, there they are. You look for them and they'll come find you. And it's the same way. This is it's just so wonderful to see how God calls us together. And uh, that's one of the things that we love about this church is it's generations. We got young folk. Where are the young folk at? Oh, that was lame sauce, man. Like, man. Where are the young folk at? I see a bunch of 50-plusers throwing their hands up in the eye. Well, you can define young. Where are the older people at? Louder than the younger people. All right, well, I don't know what to say then. That's, that kind of baffles me too, folks. Man, well, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, let's go together. And uh, I'm not going to take too much of everybody's time this morning, but I want to do continue on what we talked a little bit about last week. And in spending time, I was here yesterday just praying before the Lord and 
And uh, man, this church is amazing. Not for the sake of because of we're amazing what we do here, but we have an amazing God, an amazing family that just loves one another. And I just want to say thank you, kind of what Herb was sharing. It's, it's powerful to get amongst people who are of like precious faith, who know how to use their faith and reach into the soup, the spiritual realm and pull it into the natural. It's powerful and that's what we need. You know, where you go to church is life or death for you. I believe that with all my heart. And it's, it's vital that we as a family, we keep going together as a church family to come back to the Word. What does the Word say? And the worship team does what they do. And man, it's just, everything is just wonderful. You got the kids being taken care of. They're being brought the Word in. Man, it's powerful. You got the sound guys that make me sound good. All of this works together to bring God glory so He can manifest Himself in a powerful way. I love it. So thank you for who you are and everything that you do here. Uh, but before we go on, you know, just talking last week and spending time with prayer again, just to really go back to Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. And if you've got your Bibles, turn there with me. If you've got a paper Bible, it's good to see it in your own. And uh, one of the things what we have been talking about is getting to know Him, becoming Jesus people again on this earth. And that's something that's been stirring up in my heart is to be a Jesus man. And I want to do everything I can to represent Him well. I want people, when they see me, they actually see Him. That's my goal in life. Anybody else have that goal? This is what we want. And uh, so we talked about, you know, this is the purpose of salvation. Jesus came for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And what is eternal life? To know him. Right? John 17 verse 3, Jesus said, and this is eternal life to know you, Father, and also to know him, the son that you have sent. So this is eternal life, and eternal life doesn't start when you get to heaven. Eternal life starts the moment that you make Jesus Christ the Lord, of your, the Lord and Savior of your life. So how many of you have done that this morning? You've invited Jesus to come into your heart. Well, guess what? That means you have eternal life, and now you are on this amazing quest, this amazing journey to grow in your relationship with God. This is what the whole purpose of your salvation is for. It's not just so you can skip hell and go to heaven. That's thank God for it. But even greater than that is now your heavenly father wants to walk with you through life. It's not all of a sudden I made Jesus Lord of my life and he goes, okay, I'll see you at the rapture. No, he's saying now I want to walk with you through your job, through your relationships, through your family building up, through every part of your life. I want to be there. I want to be involved. And man, I thank God for that. Man, it's how it comes. And even what the scripture Herb read in first or Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2, grace and peace being multiplied unto you through the coming of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I can walk in greater grace. I can walk in greater peace. How? By coming to know Him. And a lot of times what we have seen is that we've got a lot of people that know the mechanics of Christianity. They know how to pray. They know how to use their faith. But apart from a relationship with Him, it doesn't work. And that's why you got frustrated people is they're trying to put the mechanics into place. If I do step one, then it's step two, and then step three. Okay, it should pull the lever and it should work. Well, the same way like a marriage or any kind of friendship that you may have. I don't have mechanics with Jamie. Right? It all begins. I don't have step one. Okay, I've got to say this to her and then it's, you know, it's going to be better later on for me. Or step two, okay, I'm going I'm to make the bed. Step three, I'm going to shower and smell real nice so that she, maybe she'll talk to me. It's a relationship. We work together at it. And I almost got bacon. For those of you who weren't here this past week, I just had, it's so hard to get some bacon on the table. And I know what it is, we work this relationship to one another, right? All right, we'll talk about that a little later. But anyway, so now how do we go forward? How do we walk this life? What is it like working with God? In Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, God clearly lays out for you and I what it's like to walk with Him. So it says, no, O people, uh, if you guys can maybe change the... The status on that, I can't really read that. Micah 6, 8. Um, do you know how to do that? Because I just can't read it. If not, that's fine. I'll open in my Bible. Oh, there it is. That's, no, it's good here. No, thank you. No, O oh people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what He requires of you. What does He require? To do what is right. How I many of you, we talked about that. To do what is right. We do not cut corners. Right, a lot of times you can try to force God's will for your life your own way. Have you ever tried that doing that before? You know, God's He's shown you a picture, He's revealing some of your next steps, and you try to make that work. I don't cut corners. An example that we use was King David. David was anointed to be king at the age of 17 years old. 
Right, young kid. He didn't get that kingdom till years later. And all of a sudden, when King Saul was hunting and chasing after him, right, he was hiding himself in a cave. David had the opportunity to, to, to kill King Saul and take the kingdom right after that. But he didn't do it. Why? Because I want God's will, but God's way. I'm not going to cut corners. I'm not going to, you know, side some things in order to get something that I want. I'm going to do it God's way. Anybody with me? We do things right. Why, why is God asking of this? Because He Himself does these things. God doesn't cut corners. And you think about it, Jesus, when, remember when He was tempted of the devil, Matthew chapter 4? Right? What did the devil show Him when He brought Him to the temple? He showed Him all the nations. Right? What was Jesus coming for? All the nations. He was coming to redeem all mankind. The devil showed Him, if you just worship Me one time, that's all it takes. And we're in the desert. Nobody's even going to see. If you just do it one time, I'll give all of this that was handed down to me, I'll give it to you. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't do that? Why? Because He doesn't cut corners. He's going to do it God's way. And what was God's way is ultimately the cross. Man, I'm thankful. So we have a God who doesn't cut corners. So you can't try to bend God to do something illegal or something wrong. He will not do anything that cut corners. And so that's the way I'm going to live my life. I do not cut corners. So if somebody drops a $50 bill in the pur on the ground from their purse, I don't go, oh, the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. Woo, glory. Thank you, Jesus. No, I'm probably going to go return that. Now, I know this, we all know this, but you'd be surprised what out there. And a lot of crazy stuff that I've heard go, man, God loves me so much. He, I found 50 bucks, fell right out of that lady's pocket. Did you think about even asking her? No, not at all. It was blessing of God. No. <laughs> that's not how that works. Anyways, we don't cut corners. Then secondly, to love mercy. Everybody say, love mercy. Now, I was just spending some time thinking on this verse this past week. To love mercy. We got to get to the place where we become, we fall in love with showing kindness. You get obsessed. Well, you get, listen, you get obsessed with showing kindness. Anybody quite there yet? Where now you are looking for opportunities to show the kindness of God. This is what we want to get to. So I want you just to take your Bible. Go to Matthew chapter 18. And let's read this together. Before actually I read this, I want to just reiterate the reason why mercy is such a big deal. <clears throat> because it's who God is. Remember last week I spent a tremendous amount of time just revealing to you and I the mercy of God. That you and I were ones that have received mercy. And uh, just sorry, guys, before you go Matthew 18, I want you to go to Exodus 34. You can just stay where you are. I got it on the screen. But Exodus chapter 34, again, I want you just to reiterate, this is right after Moses cried out, Lord, show me your glory. I want to see this glory before they walked into the promised land. So God said, all right, I'm going to pass by you. I'm going to let you see my back parts. And so this is what happened, right? The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out. Now this is God talking about himself. So we have got to let God define who He is. Okay, We can't let other people just dictate, oh, this is what God's like, this is who He's like. God is who He says He is. He's not what you think He is. He's not what other people say He is. God is who He says He is. And God right here boldly declares, Yahweh the Lord. Now notice the, what He said about us. Out of all the things He could have said, this is what He says. The God of compassion and mercy. Notice what is He? I am slow to anger do you think god is crazy angry with all the craziness that's going out in the world do you think god is about to lose it on the homosexual community and the agendas that they're trying to push do you think god is losing it on all those that have committed adultery ready just to bash them down i am slow to anger but meanwhile we got people going turn or burn god is going to bring judgment on you this is the wrong god that's not the god that i know remember it's the kindness of god that leads people to repentance it's the goodness of Him. Anybody ever been changed by hate before? No. It never converted me once. But what converted me? What changed me? It was His kindness coming after me that causes me to change. So the same way now, nothing has changed. Kind of what Shirley said. If He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, guess what? It's still His kindness, His compassion, His mercy that is going to be changing and reaching people. Right? I'm slow to anger and I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Click. Verse 7. He says, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. How I many know we're probably somewhere around there? I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he says, I do not excuse the guilty. And I won't go into all the details on that. But basically what it's saying is God doesn't just sweep sin under the, the rug either. 
Just as much as He is merciful, He is just. But the overriding focus that He says first is, I want you to see my mercy. I want you to see my kindness. And so this is the first thing that Moses was one of the first guys to come in contact with mercy himself and experience it for him. Man, that's powerful. Right? We talked last week, won't get into it, but David knew where to fail. When he came into trouble, when he experienced difficult times, he knew where to fall. And he said, it's easy, it's best for me to fall in the hands of God who is merciful rather than in the hands of men. Because how have you fallen in the hands of men before? Is there much mercy? Oh, no, there's not. But when you fall into the hands of God, guess what? The mercy abounds because He is so rich in mercy. That's who He is. And the last verse I want to read you is Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. Our merciful God. It says, Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of His special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love and I'm going to just read it to you from the New King James. It says, He does not retain His anger forever because God is not going to hold on to His anger forever because He delights in mercy. This is now a peek into the heart of God. And this is something for me. This, I don't want this just to be, oh, I've heard mercy before. Yeah, yeah. It's beyond that. This is now a peek into the very window and heart of who our Father is. The culture of heaven is mercy. Aren't you thankful for that? It's mercy. You're not coming to a judgmental God, a God who's condescending, a God who's coming after you going, what's wrong with you? He is a merciful God. This is who He is. And so listen, the only way that we can now demonstrate mercy is you got to see it for yourself. If you are not a very merciful person, guess what? It's because you haven't seen Him do it to you yet. That's where it's at. Because everything we do in this life is a replica of what we see Him do. Right? Ephesians 5.1, it says, you know, imitate God like dear children who learn proper behavior from their parents. So what are we doing is we got to spend time with the mercy of God to see Him, to see the mercy of Jesus being given to us. Why? So that we can demonstrate it to others. Because I'm able to be merciful. Why? Because I know I've been shown mercy. He showed me mercy. So why come I? I'm a merciful person. Now, Matthew chapter 18 <laughs> aren't you thankful that he delights in mercy? Aren't you glad he doesn't say he delights in judgment? <laughs> Think about that for a moment. He delights in judgment. We'd all be in big trouble if he delighted in judgment. But what does the word say? This is what he says about him. I delight in mercy. Oh, I mean, when I saw that verse, I went, Lord, thank you. And because you delight in mercy, so do I. I delight in mercy. Can you say that with me? I delight in mercy. And listen, in what we're going to be talking about in the culture that is totally contrary, that doesn't deserve the mercy, that is loveless, that is just nasty, is a perfect time for you and I to shine and reveal the mercy of God. Because it'll draw people by the droves. I'm not talking a few people trickling in. They see the kindness of God displayed, they'll be running at you. Hello, somebody. I believe that with all my heart. I remember, how many of you came running to Jesus when you saw Jesus for himself? How could you not want them? Right? So Matthew chapter 18, let's read this. Very familiar passage. Verse 21. It says, And Peter came to him and asked, Now I can see Peter just going, Okay, Lord, I got a good question. I got the answer. How many often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? <sighs> no big deal, seven times. Jesus said, No, but 70. Remember what Herb just said? It's not just plus. Times. What's seven times 70? 490 in a day. Sorry, if I say in a day. How many times? Oh, I, I forgave my kids. I gave, I, this is the third time that I have to talk to them. Sorry, seven times 70. Now, why did he have to say that? Because I think it's always the recurring things that come back to your mind. Right after somebody does something against you, and you go, okay, I, I forgive you. The initial forgiveness is there. Why does he go on to say 70 times 7? Because that thought could be coming back up going, yeah, but they did this. No, I've already forgiven them. 70 times 7. Anyways, click. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven. When you see the kingdom of heaven, it talks about a culture. Right? This is the way the government, this is the way that this kingdom operates in. When you get to heaven, it's not going to be played by Canadian rules. Right? You got that? When you get to heaven, it's played by heaven's rules. 
Okay? I know, like, when I play Monopoly, I like to play by my rules. <laughs> and surprisingly, I've always won. So if anybody wants to play Monopoly with my rules, well, hey, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun for one of us. All right? But the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. Now, is there anything wrong with this king wanting to get his, everything established? No, there's nothing wrong with that. He, right, he wanted to bring it all to date and get everything passed. So, verse 24. It says, In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him, just, I want you to think, millions of dollars. He owed him a ton of money. Verse 25. Notice those next three words. He, what? Couldn't. Didn't say wouldn't. He couldn't. He owed millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his kids, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Is there anything wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with that? Listen, in our culture, we go, no, no, that's not fine. No, but just, that is absolutely fine. Right? Can you see that? So don't look, because a lot of times you look at the master and go, what a, what a jerk that guy is. Listen, this is God. <laughs> so he, what is he ordering? He wants everything to be paid back. I, I, I can't pay you. I, I, I don't have it. I don't got nothing with me. All right, you need to be sold. Your wife, your kids, your donkey, everything about you needs to be sold to help pay this debt back. Is he wrong in doing that? Come on, somebody. Yeah, no, it's not wrong. It's totally just and it's fair to do. But notice this, verse 26. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Now notice this, verse 27, because what is the preeminent focus that God wants us to see him as? Merciful. Then the master was filled with pity for him. Other translations say compassion. He was moved with mercy towards him. And he released him. And then what? Forgave his debt. Listen, you owe God nothing. Think about that for a moment. You owe him nothing. Why? Because he, Jesus paid my debt. Now I want you to just stop there for a sec. Put your finger in your Bible. Go to Romans chapter 5. I want you to see the condition that we were in. Romans 5, verse 6. Again, very familiar scriptures, but I want you to see yourself in this place. When we were utterly helpless, not when we had it all together, not when we were totally fine in serving Him and building the church and advancing His kingdom and witnessing the people, when we were utterly helpless, that means useless to Him, completely of no effect. Christ came at just the right time and He died for us sinners. Click. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Now right here, verse 8. Keep going with me, guys. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were what? Sinners. Everybody say sinners. This is the condition. We were complete sinners. So what did He do? Rather than, no, you owe this, you owe that. And listen, we couldn't pay that. I don't got it. I can't pay that off. And aren't you thankful that He doesn't delight in judgment? If he delighted in spanking you, guess what? You'd be all going to hell. But he delights in what? Mercy. So he says, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Now again, it doesn't say anything about God not being judge, not being the judge. He is the judge. But he says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies... We will certainly be saved through the, son, the life of His Son. Verse 11 says, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Now go back to Matthew for a sec. So now that's what we spent a lot of time talking about last week is that we owe God nothing. Now that I've received mercy, now I've ex experienced it. When you experience true mercy, you want to change and give your life back. Can you see that? Because if God said, okay, I'll pay for your freedom, but I want this, this, that, or the other. you got to work for me. you got to be at church. you want to like this. I want tithing. I want this. I want that. God doesn't force any of that on you. Anybody ever been forced by God to do any of this? Never. Now, this is big for Jamie and I, especially for me, because as parenting, one of the craziest, easiest ways for me to go is command and control. You will do this or I will. I have never seen God do that. Not one time with me has he ever done that. So what am I doing? If I'm going to be reflecting him, what am I doing is I need to be giving a free will. 
You have complete will. Of course, it's not like they just run wild and do whatever. I give them choice. That's what love is. Love is freedom to choose. That's what your God is like. This is who he is. So now go verse 28. Then this master was, oh, no, next verse. Okay, then I'll go do it on my Bible. It should be on there. Matthew 18. Okay, there it is. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant. Now just think, what did this man just experience? He experienced mercy. I've just been forgiven millions of dollars. <laughs> Sadly, this guy's a bit of an idiot. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him, kind of the same scenario, and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. Click. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Oh, man. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt, millions of dollars, because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't, now no, this is the verse I want you and I to pinpoint out. Shouldn't you do something? I forgave you millions. I forgave you sin. I forgave you the consequences of sin. I've totally liberated you from hell. I've liberated you from the dark lifestyle. I've liberated you from all the garbage out there. Shouldn't you now have mercy on your fellow servant? On your fellow man? Why? Just as I had mercy on you? See, those that don't remember what they've been forgiven, they don't show much. What happens? We become entitled. God, you owe me this. God owes you and I nothing. Now, because I, God, God owes me nothing, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Let me just read this. Verse 34. Then the angry king sent the men to prison to be tortured until he had paid his debt totally. And that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. God is basically pleading with you and I, you've received it, now show it. Let it go. This is again going back to Micah 6, 8. He says, what... Oh man, what, this is what God requires of you? That you don't cut corners. Love mercy. Why? Because He's going to show it to you. And let's just get into this a little bit here. Are we okay for a few more minutes? Okay. Mercy is simply an extension of love of God toward... Mercy is an extension of the love of God. And the love of God is in you so you can show and demonstrate mercy to anyone else. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. How do we know this? Well, I'm just human. No, you're not. You're more than just human. It says, therefore, this is coming into a sentence, if you've got to read it in all in context, but he says, if any person is engrafted into Christ, he is, say, I am. This moment right now, it says, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous, and moral, and spiritual condition has what? passed away behold or look the fresh and the new has come romans 5 5 now says this that the love of god by the holy spirit has been put into your heart it's in there now it's in you say it's in me we all know this but it's time we start activating this the love of god is in me if i want to be walking with him i need to love mercy i need to the amplified version of micah 6 8 is i need to actually have fallen in love with compassion and kindness I get addicted to showing kindness. When you get addicted to showing kindness, God will support that habit. All the time. You get addicted to it. You get addicted to showing kindness. However it looks, guess what? God will give you the grace in order to do it. Because again, it's always been Him. But let's go over this. Because I've been recreated, His love is now my great quest. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Look at this, the first sentence. What does it say? Eagerly pursue. What does that mean? Men, do you remember when you were pursuing your wives? What did you do besides stalk? <laughs> you Facebook creeped. You did everything. What, what, what did you do? You eagerly pursued. You chased. You went after. This is what the Holy Spirit is telling the church. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. And the love he's talking about is just the verses ahead of it. 
He says, make this love, make it your aim. Anybody got like a goal or something in life that they're aiming towards? This is where I'm headed in life. Yeah, I've got one person raise their hand in the back. Okay, a few people. Rather than, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to be getting six figures by next year. Or I'm going to, man, I'm going to see, you know, my family, you're gonna, they're going to be coming to know the Lord. Before all of that, and that's all great, that's great. I'm going to lose 400 pounds. That, that's great. But before all of that, this is what the Holy Spirit says. He said, eagerly pursue, make it your aim, make it your great quest. Is to what? To be able to live this God love. This is the life that we live. Why? Because I want to walk with Him. So the same way that I've received mercy from God, guess what? My family doesn't owe me anything. My wife doesn't owe me anything. My kids, they don't owe me anything. Everybody in this room, guess what? They don't owe me anything. Because when you don't understand what mercy's been given to you, you'll become entitled to everything else. Oh, they owe me this. Well, I've been coming here for a while. Don't they owe me that? We, you, nobody owes you anything. And it's a dangerous part because when you get over into the they owe me stuff, well, according to what the scriptures say, we're going to read in a sec, Matthew chapter 5, to those who show mercy, mercy will be granted unto them. If you, anybody want mercy in their life? From, I'm talking not just from him. I'm talking from other people. I want mercy. I need mercy because guess what? I don't know everything that I'm doing around here. So what do I need? I need the grace of God and I need the mercy of God, but I need mercy from all y'all. Right? Oh, I didn't use the proper word. Oh, what's wrong with that guy? Mercy. Ah, man, like just calm down. Can you say that? I don't know. I just did. What's wrong? Like just hold your horses. But this is the thing. Religious folk get so caught up in this. No, it's got to be right. Yes, we want to do everything right. We want to do the best of our ability, but we want to do it before God. We are not a perfect church. What are we? We are an excellent church. There's a major difference. Perfectionism, you can look anywhere here and I promise you, you will find something wrong in this place. You'll find something wrong in me. You won't find anything wrong in Jamie because she's just, it's Jamie. I mean, I mean, come on. So I took her bad traits and I just took them on myself. But I, I understand this. Anything good that we ever have going on here, it's him. Anything wrong here that's like, oh, I don't really like that, it's us. And I'm willing to acknowledge that. I get that. And I know that for myself. Oh, I like, I like what Joel does. I, look, I like how he presents the word so people get it. Guess what? That's him. Oh, I don't really like how he did that. That's me. <laughs> and some people are just too stuck in their own brain to get any help. So other than that, we'll just leave it at that. Anyways, I'm fine. <laughs> but walking with God, I'm going to close with this. Walking with God is... Love to practice kindness. This is kind of a phrase that I've, I've wrote in my journal. I want to, like you ever see the show Punked? You know, Ashton Kutcher, and he'd go around and he'd like, you know, go into Hollywood and punk these different Hollywood stars. Well, I want to do that, but not punked. I want to PK'd, practice kindness. And so opportunity, like listen, this is something that we can practice on. He actually says to fall in love, practicing Kindness. Right? And listen, it's, it, I don't want it to kind of sound worldly because you see a lot of the stuff that they go on in the world and, oh, you know, you know, kindness day. Forget all that. Hashtag kindness, that's just baloney. I'm not looking for that because, again, one of the things that you got to post it to prove it. Oh, I was kind and I did this. Well, the moment you posted it just takes away all the power of the kindness that you did. Why? Because you're looking for somebody to give you a like. I'm just talking straight up being kind with nobody else watching. Amen on that. Okay. But that's a big deal because the moment you say, oh, you know, just blessing somebody, here they are, and it's the wrong, wrong motive, wrong initiation. I'm talking about genuine kindness that nobody has ever idea about it except for God. Now, here's a really good example. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, let me give these last few verses. <laughs> but afterwards, I want to be able to say to that person, you've just been PK'd, and that doesn't mean preacher kid. That means you've been, you, I've practiced kindness on you, right? I've just PK'd you. You're welcome. And that's my goal is I want to be able to practice. This is something that I truthfully am honestly putting into my life because why? I want to walk with him. When you, again, what we see in Hebrew, or sorry, Proverbs chapter 11 talks about that the world of the generous, what happens to the world? It gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy, smaller and smaller. 
Kindness totally opens up your eyes to see things. You're wondering, how come I don't have a vision for your life? It's because you're stingy. Oh, what am I supposed to do with my life? Start getting addicted to kindness, demonstrating it. Guess what? It'll be revealed to you. Well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. How come I'm not married yet? How come I don't have a a wife? How come I don't have good friends? It's because you're stingy. There's no kindness. But the moment you start kindnessing people, guess what happens? Your world gets larger, larger, larger. People, now you're able to see from a totally different perspective because now you're walking with Him. Think about that. If I were to go and start acting like God, what do I get? I get God's results. If I start acting stingy just like the devil, what happens? I get his results. So I'm going to be living my life like I want to get huge. Like boom, and I want to get big. And how does that come? Generosity, kindness, showing it off, every opportunity. And here's the cool thing. I'm looking now for opportunities to show it. Rather than just going about my day, hanging around, going to Walmart with you know, a few people that I've run into. I ran into three people and they go, You're, you really do hang out at Walmart a lot. No, I'm, my wife does the grocery thing. There's a few items that I just had to pick up inside. So I'm not weird hanging out in Walmart. But when I'm there, I'm looking for opportunities now to show it. Why? Because it opens the door. This last night when I was prepping, I went to Tim Hortons late last night, just finishing up a few things that were on my heart this morning. And I had the greatest opportunity, and this is something that I've been wanting to do. Every time that I see a police officer, or I see you know a fireman or somebody that's serving in our community, I want to buy their stuff. So I had two police officers. They came and sat down. I didn't have an opportunity to pay for them because I didn't see them until they sat down. So I went, and I just bought them some uh, uh, Tim's gift cards. And I said, I just want to thank you guys for what you do in our city. I, I said, we, I, I said, I'm a pastor. I, we honor you. Just want to thank you for all that you do in this city and make it. Do you know what happened to those doors? they came to me and just said afterwards like thank you man that was thank you we've never had that done before and not only that before now the rcmp but they're also quebecois rcmp and no but listen there is like double doors that are already there so when i went to the bonjour je m'appelle joel come estas? i know that's spanish but i said i don't know anything else other than couleur till yeah and okay time to get going and so at the very end i was like bien or not i said merci beaucoup and they said, Rien. <laughs> but you know what it did? It broke down the door. First of all, between the French and the English. Listen, there's all these doors that people have built up from some kind of offense somewhere. But when you've obtained mercy, guess what? It's easy to show it. I've gotten mercy. I screwed up big time in my life. I have some huge mistakes that I'm not excited or proud of it by any means. But guess what? God completely wiped him away because he said that I delight in mercy, therefore I show mercy. I will remember them no more. They're gone. So guess what? I'm free. So why can't I just walk in? Well, won't you look stupid? I don't care. It doesn't matter if I don't know, they don't know it. I'm going to jump in there and go, hey, y'all, how you put a smile on somebody's face. Right? And what the result is, as that door came down, and who knows? That's even an open door. It's a seed for them maybe even to come in and get to hear the good news of the gospel. That's all that it is. We don't have to go in there. You've got to know Jesus. You've got to know him now. Sometimes it may just be a relationship beginning. We try bombarding. Come on. Come on. You've got to know Jesus. You've got to go to church. Slow your horses. They've, they, they, they got their own thing going. Let the kindness of God draw them in. Right? Okay, let's just read this. One day, King David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can... Come on, say it with me. Show kindness. This is all that he's looking for. This is not some worldly thing they take on and just go, Oh, pay it forward. All those cute jibber-jabber that just tries to make people feel good. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the genuine love of God being built up in my heart to look at somebody and go, How can I help them make their day even better than what it is? What can I do? Uh, show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Verse 2. He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am. Ziba replied. Uh, 3. It says, The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. And last verse, Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar. <laughs> That's almost as bad as saying Red Deer. <laughs> Ziba told him, at the home of Michar, son of Amuel, if you just read the rest of the story, David summoned him, bring him here. 
Why? So I can show. Let me show kindness. Like, I want to get to the point where I make people feel so awkward, good awkward, in the sense that I just totally bless them beyond what they could do. Why? Why did you do that? Like, there's a few times I paid for people's groceries, and I got people bawling their face off in front of the cashier. I couldn't pay for this. And all of a sudden, I saw they had two carts. Oh, Hi. This is the, the oh praise the Lord. You really need all of that. That happened one time. The guy pulled in with two carts. Oh, you have a cat. Fun. Let's pay for you. <laughs> all right, but anyway, but you just did anyway. The result is God. He sees that, and He will make sure you never go down. You'll always come out on top. And so the last verse, and we'll all stand up together, is just this in Matthew chapter five. Kindness is doing life Jesus style. That's what kindness is. You see around, and actually I did some, some Greek study this past week on uh, Acts 10.38. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went around doing good. Remember that verse? And healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. It's, he didn't do good things just simply healing people. He went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil what's this doing good part if you actually look at it it talks about jesus taking care of the needs of people he had a treasurer who robbed from him consistently yet jesus went around and he went doing good to everybody that he possibly could he looked around and said oh here's some of this oh here let me just let me give you a hug he blessed the kids of mamas like don't throw some of those things out when you see that it's a natural thing but it's so powerful i remember one you know this is for us personally maybe more so for me personally we were invited to go to a, a, a minister's gathering that was a very small intimate group in texas and uh, one of the most amazing things and you guys can say whatever you want about it but i love this man kenneth copeland he came out of the one room and so there was about i guess 20 of us that were sitting in this room he came out he came to our little son max and he just looked at him and he just blessed him he said lord bless this boy bless this little max you know what that did to my heart it just showed me that the reality of the love of god just flowing out of somebody hitting somebody what it does for people it, it that blessed me beyond like thank you for thank you for blessing him like, that just that meant so much to me and you see jesus when the disciples oh no no don't bother the teacher man the kid and they said let the children come to me and what did he do he laid hands on them all bless you and he just belayed his hand i care about you i care about you what did that do to those mama's hearts Woo! man you take care of a, a, a baby you look after a little guy what do the parents do thank you like more than anything when somebody blesses our kids it means the world to us i'll give you a really cool example where's my uncle dick is he here uncle dick are you here did somebody say yes Uncle Dick, are you in the room? He would probably, he'd probably jump up, but I guess he's not here. But one of the cool things is uh, Jace gave his first offering a year ago, and he sowed some seed because he was really into Ninja Turtles. He wanted to be like Leonardo and Haya Kaya and all this kind of stuff. And So Jace had some money that he had received and said, okay, buddy, let's sow this for a Ninja Turtle. So he ran up and he showed Uncle Dick. He said, Uncle Dick, look at this. And he held up his offering. I'm sowing this seed. So, okay, because Uncle he was on the uh, ushering that morning. He passed him that money, and then he said, Jace, what is that seed for? He said, I'm believing God for a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> that next week, on the front seat was a Ninja Turtle. A huge one. This big. It was Leonardo standing right on the front seat. The Lord put it in my uncle's heart to go and buy that for him. What did that do? That just, that, that blessed me beyond, because what is it? It's somebody showing kindness to your kid. Are you kidding me? I don't care. Like, he could not even like me. He really does like me. But he could not like me at all. And he does something for my kid. It'll, it'll just draw me to him. That's why we are so adamant here that this the kids aren't just the future church. They are the church. That's why they get the same teaching downstairs as they do up here. They get the same everything. They get the same opportunity for crepes. They get the same opportunity for donuts. They get the same opportunity to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They deserve the same treatment. Why? Because what you do unto the least of these, you've done unto me. It is a huge deal. That's why we aren't just impact this next generation for Jesus. It's generations for Jesus. So we can extend mercy to one another. That's who we are. We're a merciful bunch. And didn't Jesus say that all men would know that you're my disciples if you show love for one another? 
He didn't talk about the power, the miracles, all the crazy stuff that could happen in church. And we thank God for all that. All the, the, the presence of God manifesting, all the, the crazy miracles that take place. Thank God for all that. But he said, the love of God is what defines you the most. So I don't know about you, but that's been my biggest story. I'm going to practice it. I'm going to outdo you in love every single time. That's my goal. Anybody else want to join me? Or am I just going to have to outdo it all? This is what we do. This is what we do, man. This is what we do. Let's all stand up together. I'm just finished. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.